Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. The third pod today. We're on fire. 227 Ks around Montreal for the Grand Prix Cycliste de Montreal. This is a hard circuit. It is different to the race in Quebec. That had 2,500 metres of climbing. This is nearly 5,000 metres of climbing. And in my opinion, this is more difficult than the World Championships course. There is very few flat kilometres in this race, albeit the climb itself I guess you could say, no, I think it's as hard, as hard frankly. It's 2.3K, 6.3%. But if you take the middle uh, kilometre of that, it is 1K at about 9%, which is the World Championships climb that we have coming up. But this is longer. So very hard race. We have a stacked start list, frankly, with Pagacha, Bajoli, Adam Yates, Guru. They came third in Liege, Western Liege, Van Aert. Bardet looked good the other day. Bill Bow, who I think was being a little bit political with Alejandro in the interview the other day um, about why he's not going to world champs when he said there's better riders in Spain. I don't think that's true. I don't think he thinks that's true. Um, but anyway, big race. What was the atmosphere like, Alejandro, here in Montreal? How did the circuit differ in terms of road surface because to me the quebec road surface looked like really good and yeah and the climbs were not as punchy at all yeah i mean this was a harder uh, circuit first first at all and the second thing you know like the the streets they weren't like in as a good state as in as in quebec like even like they had to change a little bit the circuit because there were some streets that are the traditionals of the of the race and they couldn't pass with the peloton there because they were terrible and they are actually just reconstructing uh, reconstructing them so it was quite quite different and even that changed the strategy uh, because for example another interesting thing was like the atlas k they had to make like a uh like a full turn onto the last 500 meters you know and that reduces the speed so it makes also the sprint very complicated uh, so yeah it was quite different from quebec that i think was less harder than, than montreal so yeah, Alejandro's been on the ground this weekend. He interviewed a few of the riders before the stage. Van Aert, Binium, Quinn Simmons, who attacked the other day, Matthews tuning up for a home worlds, as well as a few others. Here's what they had to say about how they thought this race would be different to Quebec and how it would play out. Uh, yeah, I think I have to. I mean, Quebec is a really explosive final, and uh, very often is a waiting game until until the final lap. And I think here uh, the race is much much harder, much harder climb, so uh, we can expect uh, attacks from far, further on. Are you gonna repeat your strategy from Quebec the other day? No. No. <laughs> so then, what, what, what would be your plan? Uh, I mean, a circuit like this, you know, quite quickly your place, so. I either make it to the finish and we fight for the winner. I'm in the bus already. Yeah, we see it's uh, harder today, so I think the race in itself, 
uh, will create some more difference. So just have to be up there if you have the legs. Yeah, I mean, it's everything's possible, but today I, uh, it's going to be hard. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm finishing the good position I'm okay I mean it's not only about the winning so if I'm even top 10 I'm happy I think it's uh, yeah it's two laps more than when I won here and uh, extra few climbs each lap so I mean I'll try my best it's obviously uh, more favorable to the climbers today but uh, it'll be another great hit out for the world in uh, in two weeks so I'll do my best it's obviously very hot today and I think it's going to be uh, a survival out here today but uh, no, I'm looking forward to it I think uh Benoit went really good uh, Quebec. I think I'm, I'm still up there. I was in the, the group behind, so uh, this race always feels be me a little bit more in, in time of really winning. So I think uh, I think it's it, we have two good cards to play with Benoit more on the attack. I think it will, it's a it's a race that also suits him. Be more in front, and I can just sit on and wait, and hopefully it comes back, and I can have a good sprint. So uh, I think it uh, that's a bit the strategy, and uh, I think uh, with two cards you have always uh, it's always better than with one. Otherwise you have to panic when somebody goes uh, goes away. But anyway, interesting to hear. I had a laugh at the Quinn Simmons when you said, what will your strategy be? And he would be the same. He's like, nope. Otherwise, I'll be getting in the bus early. Um, the race itself, pretty... Let's start with Andreas Lechnesund. If you weren't watching Arctic Race of Norway or Tour de Suisse, this young man, this Norwegian guy, is a beast. He's a big engine, 70 kilo range, tall, actually quite aerodynamic, powerful, not a guy you want to let in a breakaway. He won Arctic Race GC on the last stage from an almost all-day breakaway. And again, he was in the break here. And the reason I mentioned that is he was at 120, 130. Jumbo Visma were responsible for controlling this race. After UAE, UAE Alejandro, to me, it looked like they were just holding the gap stable with Formolo. Just holding it stable. But to close it, that seemed to be Jumbo Visma's job. And, or was it? Because Laporte went to the front, right? With 30Ks to go, they have six riders. Uh, Van der Sanders there, Enkorn is there, but it's Christophe Le Lador going to the front, maybe their best domestique, pacing. Why do you think they used him first, and why do you think they closed the gap so fast um, to Lechnison? Was that necessary? I think, like, their original plan, well, when I talked uh, before uh, to Van Aert, he told me, like, we can expect attacks from far, you know? And I think their plan was, like, just make the, make the race hard and then try to attack there with Van Aert. But the thing, uh, and this is why uh, the tactics didn't look quite well, was that Van Aert wasn't that strong. Like, when we see when they started the, the counter-attacks the counter and the attacks, Van Aert wasn't, like, too great, you know? And he wasn't feeling right well. So I think that was the reason like why like it just looked like too inconclusive you know like i mean that was like like their plan but their leader didn't have the the legs but yeah it was quite that because you know, i i think they were they were also like pacing like with an intention of attacking but like they see they, they like i mean they saw the circuit was really really hard and maybe they just said well we'll just keep the pace and just like try to uh, keep control uh, like this one. So that's basically Lechnerson gets reeled in. Foss does a big shift for Jumbo Visma. He's the last man after Laporte pulls off. And I'm thinking trouble because we see, we've saw it, seen it at the Olympics. It's, it doesn't matter how good your sprint is. If you're the number one favorite and 
your name is Wout van Aert, if you have a group of 15 guys around you after a climb with a run into the finish or some climbs to attack, they're not going to go to the finish with you, at least willing. Mm-hmm. And that when I saw Foss there and the group was deep, we were talking 30 riders. There was Volta there plus Gudu plus Dora. There was Ulysses plus Pagacha. There was Danny Martinez and Adam Yates. There were teams with multiple riders. I thought that was problems for Jumbo Visma and at that point I think they managed it really well uh, a counter-attack went with Vondal and sorry who was the starter rider Velasco he, that went and they didn't overreact they then no one else was attacking and they just paced to the last uh, pinch which was cresting with about 11 k's to go I think they played that pretty calm I was surprised Bahrain didn't attack with Tratnik uh, EF had crashed with Piccolo and Palace. I would have expected them to go with them. But then your man, Alejandro, we said he was looking lean. Danny Felipe Martinez from the base of the last climb went full gas. This man came. Did he Did he podium Liège? I said no. No. He was uh, fifth, fourth, I think. Fourth or fifth, but he fourth. was very good in Liège. He attacked, but to me... It seemed like it was great tactics from Ineos. It was a bait mm. for Pagacha, for Van Aert, for Bagioli to set up Adam Yates. Um, or is that what, how you saw it? Or do you think Martinez was just like co-leader and that was his chance? No, I think I think like that was like the, the key moment of the, of the race for me. Because like when Vandal and Velasco were at the front, I mean like you say Jumbo had in some way controlled the situation because they had force like just to pull off and try to control the, the situation. But when Martinez attacks, that's like sending uh, UAE and Jumbo like the message, okay, right now it's time for Poggy and vote like to take the responsibility by themselves. So I think that's the move uh, in some way planned just to launch Jades after, you know, because then like that makes Poggy attack, then like all, all the all, like all the riders come up and Jates is just staying at the wheels. Uh, I, I think he was at the parted wheel when, when at the moment of the Poggy's attack. Yeah, and but then I just, bridged him. Yeah, exactly. And then we see the moment just like Pogachar stops the attack and then Jates goes. So I think that was pretty pretty much the like the plan, you know. I, I don't think Martinez wasn't looking actually for an opportunity for himself unless like Pogachar or Van Aert couldn't control his his attack. It was great tactics from Ineos on that climb. We'll get to the, uh, the next decisive move in a second, but a word on our show partner, Zwift. The Zwift Hub, if you're in Canada, if you're in North America, winter is coming. And if you want to get into indoor training, Zwift have released a trainer, which makes it more possible for more people with the Zwift Hub at an affordable price for the trainer that it is incredible value it's released on october 3rd so go to zwift.com to get more information on it and maybe sign up for notifications for more info or if you already have a trainer indeed go to zwift.com and hop on and maybe renew that subscription for winter or autumn now uh, for your free seven day trial but yep yates counters the martinez move absolutely perfect from them i guess at this point, there's no tactical decisions for Wout or Pagacha. I guess Pagacha has the legs. He closes Yates. Uh, Wout just has to follow as best he can. He goes maybe a little bit over the limit. Like here's the 
if I, you'd be thinking, how could Yumbo have kept Domestiques deeper in the race so Wout on that final 10% section doesn't have to go fully to his limit so a Laporte or a Foss can bring him back? That probably is wishful thinking. And in reality, if a group of Godou, Pagacha, uh, Yates, Bagioli get away and they have seven seconds on a tired Foss or a tired Laporte, they're going to work together and Wout will not come back. So Wout looked, he got dropped by the Yates attack. The Yates attack was crazy strong. Like if this finished uphill, Yates wins this race. Um, but it doesn't. He has Pagacha fully redlined, I think. Bagioli and Godu and God were sitting on Wout and they come round. Um, but yeah, is there, I know Yates had diamonds in the legs. Is he going to world championships? I'm not sure. To be honest, but he should. You think, no? I mean, like nine percent climb. Yeah, like I mean, for me, this is one of the races when you see that the strongest guys doesn't win, because for me, the strongest today was Jace. No, I mean, Pogacar at the end, he just had the legs because he was the strongest between the man that had like like good sprint. The problem for Jace is he doesn't have good sprint. But as you say, like if the finish is uphill, wow, he wins just with one leg, you know. Crazy shave from Yates, looking in good condition. But yeah, unfortunately for him, it's a flat finish. The group works really well together for a long time. I was quite surprised, actually, because, well, the Olympics, wow, got attacked over and over and over and over with a similar composition of a group. Maybe it was a bit bigger, but Godou has, I think Godou didn't know what to do, actually. I think he didn't know whether to trust his sprint because his sprint is underrated, and he he did stuff up this finish. Uh, Godou for a good result. Uh, Bagioli was trusting his sprint for a bit, but then I can't remember someone attacked through a corner. Pagacha was letting the wheel go at one point, uh, and there was one attack in the run-in. Yates obviously was pulling a little bit, but he I think he attacked once on a false flat, uh, a shallower climb, but he couldn't get away. It just wasn't hard enough. Uh, Godou attacks through a corner. He gets a gap. Pagacha's then off the wheel. He actually looked a bit rough. And this is, I've said it during the Tour de France, like Pagacha's sprint regeneration is unbelievable. Pagacha can be completely ruined, stuffed on your wheel, cannot is getting dropped. If he's able to sit in the wheels for two minutes, he can still almost do his peak sprint. It's just crazy, his ability to recover to sprint. But at this moment, Wout's gapped him. He's bridging across to Gudu. He's got a group of four skinny, 65 kilo or less climbers, and he doesn't counter. And this is the moment for me where Wout, of course, has the best sprint theoretically from the group. He's, you know, way heavier, 15 kilos heavier than these guys. He's winning pure bunch sprints this year, second in both pure bunch sprints in the Grand Depart and the Tour de France. But this is completely different. They'll sit on him. He's had to just defend and get dropped and come back on a punchy climb on a 4,800 meter Denevelle stage or race. And I think his biggest relative advantage to these guys in the moment is his TT, is to go Cancellara mode, to avoid all the finessing. He's got Pagacha off the wheel. And when he gets to Godou, to do his full all-in effort to attack Godou and go solo on the flat. It might not have worked, but I think... I think his sprint is kind of a curse at the moment or can be a curse when the other guys are able to work him over a bit. So maybe he couldn't, um, but 
Omloop, he won solo. E3, they got separation. I think if he could have, he should have. I don't know if he could have. What do you think? Do you think he should have just trusted his sprint? No, 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 no. Absolutely no. I think like if he could have, the best option for him was like, like just to try to attack from far. The thing is that he couldn't actually, you know. But you know, I, I, I mean, Fanari is in a trust of all, uh, a, a rider you will trust, like in this kind of sprints, you know. Because also, like at this point, or I say in this kind of races, like it, it doesn't really have a, an impact if you have the best sprint between five or ten riders. I mean, at the end, only the only thing or everything turns around, like you know. On the energy you have and how hard is the parkour and in this case it was pretty pretty hard for Fanar. and that's for example the big difference for Pogacar because I think at the end in the climbs Pogacar he showed he showed himself a little bit stronger than than Waldo and, and I think that made the difference and he wow actually plays the last kilometer really well there's a hairpin turn that Alejandro mentioned at the top of the show Remember in Liège when Alaphilippe ran wide and went to the back, Pagacha ran wide, went to the back, Valverde was like, I'm going to go to the front and lead them out for 300 metres into a headwind. Well, it's like, I'm not leading out the whole sprint. It was the right thing to do. He's played that really, really smart. I couldn't believe they let him. And it freaks out Pagacha and Gadu. Gadu doesn't know what to do. He like goes to the front and starts pacing slowly. He moves to the side. He then decides to attack. He then opens up his sprint in the drop, standing up like a parachute um, from like 300 out. And Wout's in Pagacha's wheel. I've never seen this before. You, it's always Pagatra is in the wheel of the best sprinter because uh, tactically that's usually the best. Bagioli's on Wout's wheel, Yates is at the back. And Guru goes and Pagatra then has to close it and he's not on the wheel. And I'm like, Wout has played this perfectly tactically in this final K. Pagatra's stuffed, but it's a slow speed sprint. And as Pagatra gets up to speed, He's looking super aero. He's still out of the saddle. Long sprint. Gets past Gudu and Van Aert sits down in his wheel. Can't come out of Pagacha's wheel. Pagacha wins by a bike length plus with Van Aert beating Bajoli for the bike throw for third. Yates fourth. Gudu fifth. Schmidt winning the bunch sprints. Uh, it wasn't even a bunch sprint. Sorry. It was just dribs and drabs behind. Uh, Schmidt, Aliotti, Bardet, Bilbao, Warren Bargui, uh Matthews came 13th. What a sprint from... Pagacha, uh, Alejandro, and I think, I don't know, the world's parkour, I'm not saying he's the favorite for worlds now because it's not as hard as Montreal, in my opinion, but it is a 1K 9% climb. He's got Tratnik. I'm not, I don't think he has Moric, but yeah, I've never seen Pagacha in this shape before his A target usually. Like usually I thought he was going to come fifth or sixth today, but today, wow. Like, incredible sprint. What do you think about him for Worlds now? Yeah, I mean, of course, like, he's going to be one of the of the top favorites, like, no doubt about it. But maybe with this win and, you know, with that fact of showing himself too strong before that main target, I don't know, maybe that, that would pull him, like, like, to a favoritism that, I don't know, maybe could be much of the expected, like, before, before the race. And I, may, I, I guess we'll see because, as you said, it isn't as much as hard as the Montreal course, but I think it should be enough like for him to to make damage and you know try to play it similar because uh, you know the he those are climbs that even suit him he can do very well there and yeah I, I can expect him riding aggressively and and being one of the top favorites for sure I mean for me now the man that will have like 
some more doubts will be Van Aert right? because like he wasn't too good on, on these two races in, in Canada. Yeah, and I think the big difference is while Van Aert has Remco Evenepoel on his team in the world champs, and I think that's a good thing because in Ineos, for example, used team tactics today to allow Yates to come back with Bardet and then hit that group really, really hard. He nearly dropped Pagacha um, and dropped Van Aert for you know a little bit by 15, 10 metres. But he's got Avonapol with him. Now, can Avonapol do a hard lead out if they're in a group of five? Can Avonapol attack and put Van Aert in their seat? That's different to today. It's Foss. It's Enkhorn trying to just kind of control the race. I do think it's an easier parkour overall. There is less climbing per kilometre in, in the world champs. But I will say this was a great race. The Quebec, I think this was... Because of the names, this was a better race for me than Quebec, but I think quite a good weekend of racing. Matthew said before the race, the circuit racing is really good as a tune-up for world championships. But this, like the names, like Yates, Pogacar, Van Aert, Garou, the, the prime contenders for Liège, Bastogne-Liège, battling it out full gas, I mean, hats off uh, to the race. I thought it was really exciting. Was there anything else from the race apart from these main guys? Um the way, uh, I don't know, a Trek played it or a Movistar or a EF. Um, is Durban dropping concerning for Belgium? Anything else maybe earlier in the race? Uh, I, I would say like Aramburu did, did really well, you know. Like he told me on the beginning, he had some stomach problems and that's why he wasn't in, in, uh, good enough in, in Quebec. And today, like I saw him, like, you know, in the bunch uh, for a good time. So I think... That was pretty good for him. And also Arkea, you know, like Argyll, two top 10 uh, points for relegation. So it was good. Anyway, I think the press conference is kicking off. Andrea Bangioli, I just saw, walked behind Alejandro. Um, I guess let us know what you think. I've enjoyed having Alejandro on the ground um, doing, you know, the podcast slightly differently. I hope he had a good weekend. Um, check out LRCP Twitter for all the interviews. And if you're speak spanish alejandro's put the ones with spanish speakers on his twitter account but yeah grand prix cyclist in montreal certainly will be talked about more and the uh grand prix cyclist de quebec in our world championships preview coming up but thanks as always thanks alejandro and uh we'll see you with the next one ciao Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 